today I'm starting a three-week series on the names of God, and I want to begin uh, by getting you and I to consider the significance of a name. So hopefully you have some notes down because I'm going to do a lot of teaching in this series and there's going to be different names and it's going to feel a little teaching heavy. That's okay. Uh, I've got a lot of notes to get through and so my head might be down sometimes and I'm going to read a lot of what I've wrote because um, I, I want to teach it. I, I thought, gosh, I really hope that you really can take notes here. I'm telling you, if you just sit, listen to this series... Uh, there's just no way you're going to be able to absorb all of the information. So write down the scripture verses that we put up on the screens. Go back, read them this week. Uh, write down some of the names that we talk about and go and, and, and research those if you want to. But um, I really want you to grab as much out of this series as possible. And the best way for you to do that is, is take some notes down. And it's almost like a classroom setting is how I feel. And that's why I'm sitting down. And, and, uh, and so I'm excited to impart this word into you today. So let's consider with the significance of a name. We use names in our culture to bring insight to identity. That's what names do. When a woman marries a man, she'll, you know, oftentimes in most cultures uh, change her last name. And so therefore she gets like a new identity. Even scripture says she leaves the mother and father and they're joined together to become one. There's an identity change. And that's why we change the last names. Uh, we give people nicknames, often as a reflection of their identity. You might have a friend. How many of you had a, a friend kind of group growing up, and, and you had nicknames for one another? And it was based on something about their identity. Maybe, you, you know, you called him Slim because he was probably Slim, or he was completely opposite of Slim, you know, and, um, or whatever. I had a friend in, in college, uh, and still a friend today, and uh, we called him Nugget. And you can try to figure out why, but I'm, I'm just telling you, you know, there was just, there's nicknames that you give people. Uh, and so uh, nicknames often reflect identity. When parents choose a child's name, they often name their child after someone they admire, someone you honor. How many of you have named your child after somebody that you honored, you admired, you looked up to? Some of us have, have done that, or we were named after somebody that our parents admired, or, or whatever the case may be. And the reason we oftentimes attach the name is because we're hoping that somehow, maybe by attaching the name, we'll attach some of their character traits, right? Some of you were hoping that uh, maybe the, the money that person made would also be attached, you know, and or, or their power, or their, or their prestige, or their authority, or something. But we, we name our children. And in fact, after people we honor, but we also don't name. How many of you thought about naming your child something, but you thought about in somebody from the past, or you thought about somebody, and you're like, nope, we're not doing that one, and, and because of somebody you don't like, or you, or you don't want your child to be like, and so you're like, we're not naming them that name, right? Because you thought there could be overlap there. In 42 years of living, just to prove to you how powerful names are, in 42 years of life, I'm 42 years old, and four children, okay, and I've met kids who are friends with my kids and all that kind of stuff and sports and, and all that. I've yet to ever in my life meet a Hitler. And so I just, I just want to throw that out to you. There's probably a good reason for that, you know, because there's power in, in names is what I'm trying to say. There, there's significance in the names that we give, okay? Well, in the Bible, names carry a great significance, 
very, very. In our world today, I would say maybe names are even losing some significance. We're, we're kind of naming people because of trends or what's popular or what sounds cool. But in Scripture, um, names really had great significance to them. Because the name revealed information about the individual's life, what, what was believed to come, or what was currently present at the time of the birth of that child. And so um, often, too, not only in the Scripture were people given certain names, but God would name places or name uh, rocks or, or mountains or whatever the case may be. And names were attached to what was happening in that particular time period. So names were really, really significant in Scripture. In fact, names were so significant, God himself changed someone's name oftentimes, and you know this, to reflect a new reality of that individual. Okay, so Abram, we know this became Abraham, right? He went from Abram was exalted father. Abraham means a multitude of nations or multitude, okay? So he become a, a father to the multitudes. So he's got a name change. In Genesis 32, Jacob, whose name was heel grabber, because Jacob, if you remember when he was birthed, was coming out grabbing Esau, his brother's heel. So they called him, oh, he's a heel grabber. Just so you know, in case you didn't know that, that's where... Okay, but then what did his name change to? Do you remember? Jacob's name changed to Israel. Say it with confidence. I heard it. Yeah, Israel. And it changed to Israel because after, do you remember what he did with God? He, he what? He wrestled with God. And so the one who prevails is what Israel means. So his name changed. He got an identity changed based off a situation with the Lord and God changed his name. All right, we know about Saul. And Saul turns eventually to Paul. But here's what I also want you to know is that there's nowhere in Scripture that says that God changed his name. So if you've ever heard that God changed Saul to Paul, there's no one in Scripture that supports that. However, what does, is supported is Saul's name was changed to Paul, or he went by Paul would be a better way of saying it than his name was changed. And it was most likely Paul who actually decided to go by Paul instead of Saul. Have you ever, in life, many of you do this. You, you have a name that you were given, but you prefer to go by a different name. Raise your hand if that's, if that's you. you. You prefer to go by a different name. And how many of you have a middle name? And you're like, I've never told anyone my middle name but my spouse because I don't want anyone to call me by my middle name. Anybody have a middle name like that? So, so Saul decides to change his name to Paul or not change his name, but says, well, let me go by Paul instead. And the reason why he went by Paul most likely is because of the way it would have affected his ministry. He was... Through Saul, he was reaching to the Jews. Of course, we know this was uh, setting up Christians to be murdered. When he has an identity change, when he meets God in Acts chapter 9, he has this encounter with God. Then all of a sudden, he starts to go through, through goes by Paul because him going by Paul would help him associate with Gentiles, the people that God was calling him to reach. It would help him to be more effective in his ministry. So he got on a name change. So in other words, so you could change your name if it helps you reach more people. Amen? So, so he got a name change, but his identity had also shifted. His ministry had shifted. Everything about Paul had shifted. And so I'm just trying to show you that in Scripture and in life, there are power in names. All right? Changing his name would allow him to be more effective in ministry. Here's the thought. In Scripture, a name often signified a purpose, authority, or character. Purpose, authority, in character. In fact, a name was so frequently seen as equivalent of that person. So the name you had was really a great description of who you are. 
or who you're going to be if you were a young child being named, being born. There's great significance in names all throughout Scripture. Scripture gives a variety of names for God. In fact, oftentimes people will say, I don't even know who to pray to. Do I pray to God? Do I pray to Jesus, the Father? Are they the different, the same? I think you'll find some of the answers to those questions throughout this series. But God has given a variety of names because a variety of names reveal his character. God doesn't need just, just kind of like one name. There's a multitude of names that help reveal his character. And each name reveals a little piece of his character. So God's names give us clues into his nature. I want you to know that it is God's hope. It's his, it's his desire of his heart. If I could share his desire with, with his heart, if I could say the desire of God's heart is ultimately, I believe this, and you could say it a number of ways, but I'll say it this way, is that you would know him. That you would know him. He really wants you to know him. He really does. And he gives us names to help us know him better. Which, by the way, as a reminder, is the purpose statement of this church, Brave, that we exist to equip a community of people to know God better. To know God better. We want you to know God better and better and better and better and better. It's to know God better. And then ultimately make him known. And so you've seen it in our signs when you leave. Know God and then make him known. Because when you really know him, you cannot help but begin to make him known. When you really know him. And that's what my hope is for you in this series. This series is based off of a verse, and I'll give it to you, Psalm 9, verse 10. Okay? There is a cause and an effect here in this verse. Look at it. Those who know your name trust in you. They know your name. And the people who know your name trust you. I have a question for you. Do you really trust God? And it's easy to think, well, yeah, of course I do. He's God. You trust that there's no way to heaven other than through him? You trust that. And it's really easy to even say that one because you know the result of that one's heaven. You're like, yeah, that's good. Do you really trust God when he says, give that away? Do you really trust God when he says, don't take that? I know you really want it, but I'm saying no. Do you trust God when he says no? See, the first one was easy. Well, I trust God to save me. Do you trust God when he said no? I tend to pray that one through a little bit more. <laughs> Amen? Do you trust him? See, God doesn't want you to just trust him for salvation. He wants you to trust him with everything. A friend of mine one time was telling me that he is growing out his beard. He said, Rick, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I felt like the Lord said, you need to grow up my beard, don't shave it until he tells me. So I'm not. Now, I'm not telling you, but for me, I told him, I said, 
And that's incredible trust, man. Because if I felt like God told me that, I, I would have to wrestle with God like Jacob a little bit on that one. Are you sure, God? Are you sure? You know, a little bit. You know, a shadow is fine, but let it keep going. Anyways, point was, it was between him and God. And I think God will do things like that in some ways, in our own individual ways. And just a challenge too, you really trust him. Have you ever asked, had God ask you to do something you didn't want to do? Can I just propose to you today? Chances are it had to do with trust him. Do you trust him? All right. So the point is, he says, those who know your name trust in you. Okay, for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Key truth, the more you know his name, the more you know him. And the more you know him, the more you will learn just how much you can trust him. The more you know him, the more you, you will determine. The more, I'm telling you, over life of serving the Lord uh, in this capacity in ministry for 14 years, I can tell you, all I have done is learn to trust God more. And through those years, there, the way I learned that was when I thought I could trust myself and I thought I would make the decision and I ended up wrong. I mean, I've never once with my heavenly father had a situation where he was wrong and I was right. Let me just save it to you now. If you think you have a better plan, let me tell you the truth. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You might think that you know the way, but the truth is only he knows the way. All right, it's trust, but you got to know his name. I've been listening to a song called Weathered. It's by Bethel Music. I don't care if you, if you don't like their music, then don't listen to it. But I'm telling you, I like this song. And um, I want to read you a couple lyrics, and then I'll keep moving forward. Here's, here's a lyric from the song called Weathered that I, I've been listening to for, for a couple of weeks. How sweet it is to trust you, Jesus. To know you, I mean really know you. Father, Son, and Holy Shepherd. This is amazing. A love so deep it can't be measured. A love that's real. A love that's weathered. How sweet it is to know you, Jesus. I mean really know you. My hope is that you would come to know him in ways that you haven't known him. And if you really want to know God and get to know him, then my encouragement is that you would begin to get to know him by the way he defines himself, not the way Google defines him. Not the way your mother defined him. Not the way your friend defined him. Not the way the world defines him. My invitation to you in this series is that you would get to know him the way he defines himself. And the good news is God in Scripture has clearly defined himself. He doesn't leave us to wonder who he is. And I believe once you come to know him, it will change everything about what happens in you when you call on his name. When you really know him. It'll change what happens in you when you call on his name. And speak his name. And I hope you never see his name the same way again. So to begin, first name that we're given in Scripture for God, turn to Genesis chapter 1. All right, we'll put it on the screens. Genesis chapter 1. 
We're going to start with verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, the word God in Hebrew here is the word we get Elohim. It is plural intensive with a singular meaning, rulers and judges and divine ones. Here's what I want you to understand. When God decided to reveal himself to humanity through the word, which is what you have in your hand, through the scripture, through the Bible, he introduces himself as Elohim. It is a singular, it's a plural world, but it's meant with a singular meaning. The word Elohim is a plural, it's a plural version of El, E-L, which you'll find all through Scripture. So Elohim is plural in nature, but it has a singular meaning. In fact, it's a word that's given 35 times in Scripture. And I believe this is true also in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, or maybe even into 4. Every word that, where there is the word God, it's the word Elohim. In other words, he doesn't give us another name of himself until after the first three or four chapters of Scripture. I believe I'm correct on that. It's a plural world used for a singular, singular meaning. All right, Genesis 1, a few verses down later, gives us a little further insight into Elohim. He says, then God, then let Elohim, then, then Elohim said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. All right, so what does God want us to know? God says, I'm plural. First thing I want you to know is, is I'm plural. There's more than just one. It's, it's plural. And this is where we get the Trinity from, Father, Son, and Spirit. Okay, I heard uh, a preacher say this, and I think it's uh, the best way I know how to um, kind of describe the Trinity. You know, everybody has an apple or different ways they can say it. Um, he, he described it as a pretzel. A pretzel has three holes in it, and the, each hole is distinct but they're all connected by the same piece of dough and they all make up the whole whole. Okay. That's about the best way I can describe the Trinity to you. And I got nothing else. And if you can do a better job, well, good for you. Okay. There it is. All right. Okay. How can three be one, one be three and all this stuff. Okay. So God is three. Now there's so much more that supports that in scripture, but I want you to know that God is three and he, he wants you to know I'm plural. And of course, later on through Scripture, you'll find him as Father, as Son, and as Spirit. The second thing we learn about Elohim is, notice it says, in the beginning God created. He wants you to know that he's a creator. He is the creator. Because notice how he starts this Genesis, Genesis 1. Go back to Genesis 1, verse 1. What does he start with in the beginning? That's, that's very important. So in other words, God is saying to you and to me, just so you want to know, if you want to know me, I am not a creation, I am the creator. Meaning he is outside of creation. People say, where did God come from? That is a great question people ask. Where did God come from? In the beginning. There is no end. There is no beginning. He has been, always will be. He's an eternal God. He is the creator. Where did he come from? No, you don't understand. He is the creator. Always has been. He's an eternal God. In the beginning reveals that God wants us to know he is beyond time. 
He's on time. For some of us, we feel like he's not on time. Amen. But he operates beyond time. He didn't create something from something that already existed. Watch. Watch how, if you want to know how just majestic God is, he created time. He created it. If time didn't exist before he created it, then he created it. Time didn't exist before he created it. He is the beginning. He created it. He has no past, no future. Always has been, always will be. As creator, he transcends. Look what he says. Go back to the verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heavens is a representation of space, and earth is a representation of matter. Everything you see. So here's who I am. I'm Elohim. I have always been, always will be. I created time and everything you see in space and on earth and every particle, every piece of matter. I'm the creator of it. And as a creator, he transcends space and matter as well. So since space and matter were created by a creator, this helps us know that he sits, this is important, he sits outside of space and matter. Now here's how we try to put Jesus or God in in a box, okay? This is what we do, especially around Christmas time. I think they're hilarious. I don't own one myself, and I support anyone who does. I get it, but they're just kind of funny to me. We put him in a little piece of plastic with a little bulb, and we plug him in. Come on, how many of you have a little manger scene in your front yard right now? Anybody here? Amen, all right. Here comes baby Jesus, you know, light him up. There he is. We've taken this God and put him in a piece of plastic with a bulb in him. That is the best representation we can give you. (laughs) It is. It is our best effort and how I think God smiles upon it. Oh, you're so cute. If that was just me, yeah, that's me, a piece of plastic with a bulb in me. I just want to remind you he's Elohim, okay? And I do think he smiles when we put him in our front yard. All right. But he sits outside of space and matter. If all we do is look at God from our perspective and dimension, then we'll never have an accurate view of a God who sits beyond our own dimension. You have to understand he operates at a level that you can't even fathom, is my point. He's at a whole nother level. The only way then for us to really know him is for him to reveal himself to us. Because you don't have the mind to really know him on your own. He has to reveal himself to you. Because he's on a whole nother level. You ever said to somebody, man, you're on a whole nother level? They're not even close to God's level. Does that make sense? He's on a whole nother realm and dimension. He's in a whole nother realm. That you, we can't even fathom the realm. Okay. But Elohim not only is beyond our realm, this is important, he's also in our realm. This is where we get omnipresence from. Look what it says in Jeremiah 23, verse 23. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord? 
and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth? This is the word Elohim still being used here in the prophet Jeremiah. So Elohim is saying he fills heaven and he fills the earth. This is where we get omnipresence. He is everywhere at all times. Ezekiel 48 extends this a little further and says this, and the name of the city from that time will be the Lord is there. It's another name. The Lord is there. The word Lord here is the word Jehovah. We say Jehovah, right? The word there is a Hebrew word sham or sham, which means he is both there and here. So in these final writings of Ezekiel, Ezekiel wants us to know the Lord is there. And this is where we get the name Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. Can I just tell you this way? Elohim is here and there. Now, it's interesting that when we pray, God, please come. Can I just remind you, he's already there. Now, I think there is a special presence that comes around when two or three more gathered in his presence, and he is there in the midst of them. It doesn't remove his omnipresence. He is everywhere at all times. When he introduces himself, he's just trying to let you know, you can't escape me. I am everywhere. Always have been and always will be. The Lord is there. But I think God is also really trying to reveal something to you and me in this omnipresence, the creator. And I think it kind of lends us to uh, the next statement I'll say to you. But notice, uh, by the way, Matthew 28, 20 says, I am, am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always. That's Matthew 28, 30. Okay, this leads us to number three. Elohim is personal. God is not only revealing that he's a creator because you're the creation, I'm very personal. Let me just remind you of this, and I've done this before. He designed you. Amen? He made you. And your pinky, that all those lines on your pinky were designed by him. And it fascinates me, it always has, that no one as tiny as I am has ever had the same pinky as me. And no one will ever have the same pinky as you. Isn't that incredible? I know you think you're bright. But whenever I feel like I'm something, I just look at my pinky and I remind man, I'm not really something, am I? You know, I mean, that's incredible. How do you change the lines that many times on the size of your pinky? That's detail. That is God. It's incredible. A great God is, he is personal. Look at this verse, Genesis 3, 8 through 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cold of the day, and they hid from the Lord their God among the trees of the garden, which is hilarious. They're trying to hide from Elohim, who's already introduced himself of, oh, hey, by the way, I'm everywhere. And they're trying to hide. You ever tried to hide from God? That's a whole sermon series right there. Hiding from God. And some of you still hiding. Amen? Yeah, running as fast as you can. Jonah learned the lesson, didn't he? Can't hide from God. You can try to physically hide, 
but you can't hide your thoughts. You can't hide. Run, but you can't hide. Okay. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? I want you to know today, here's the point. God is not an energy. He is not some thing. He is not some higher power, random energy force. Not true. And God is not a theory. He is personal. And he walked among the garden. Pays attention to the details of your life. Number four, it's the last one we'll unpack today. Elohim is powerful. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was covering the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, and God said, let there be light. So God wants you to know, as he reveals himself to you in the very beginning, the first three chapters, I want you to know I'm Elohim, and I'm the creator, and I'm the beginning, and time cannot encompass me. I also want you to know, when you ask yourself, how did all this come to be? Because I know you're going to ask yourself, how did all this happen? And you're going to come up with all kinds of theories. In fact, you're going to come up with one of them that's going to call the Big Bang. You're going to study that in textbooks. Yeah. You're, you're, going to, you're going to wonder, how did all this happen? So let me just save you the effort. So in the very beginning, as you wanted to get to know me, in the first three verses, he tells you how it was created and how it was made. I've always have been, always will be. Nothing created me. I am the creator. Where did all this come from? My mouth. How did it happen? I spoke it. I said it. I spoke it. Well, how can something come from nothing? Well, that's your thinking. Because he is the thing that's always been. Let there be light, and there was light. Not only does Elohim want you to know that he's creator, he wants you and I to know how he created it. He says, I spoke it. In other words, this is important. He doesn't need something to make something. Now, we stress about how God's going to come through. <laughs> we worry, amen? And he wants to remind you as Elohim, I make Everything from nothing. I just speak it. This is not hard for me. And yet we freak out and panic about all kinds of things. Everything we see was not only made by him, but he didn't need anything to make it. <laughs> he didn't even need his hands. house he could have used his hands you ever thought of that came down Jesus comes down God in flesh starts to construct he builds it really fast no I just say it much easier that's power Our elder in the church, friend of mine, Don, folks, that's power. He likes to use the word folks. I noticed that last week when he was preaching, folks, folks. Hey, folks. I love you, Don. 
Hey, folks, that's power. Amen? Amen? Amen. <laughs> that was in my notes, Don, for you. <laughs> what Elohim wants us to know as we begin to get to know him is, don't doubt my ability. You need to hear this today as we listen to me. God wants you to know from the very beginning, as you begin to get to know him, if you want to get to know God, wherever you are watching online, here in the room today, listen to me. Okay? You, you, you don't know who God is. Let God introduce himself to you. Have you ever been misrepresented? Young people in school, you ever been misrepresented? You ever had somebody say something about you that wasn't true? And you just wanted a voice for yourself to tell somebody who you really are? Would you just let God do that with you today? Would you just let him introduce himself to you today? Reach out in a way, shake your hand, get to know you and say, I'm Elohim. Everything you see was made by me. I exist out time, out of, out of space and matter. I'm in a different realm than you. That is who I am. I am powerful. I spoke it and it came. That's not theory, that is fact. You don't need to go Google search how this whole world came to be. You don't need an eighth grade book to figure it out. You don't need a history teacher or anybody else to tell you. I'm telling you how it came to be. I said it and it happened. And I don't need anything to make something. I can say it and it happens. Isn't it kind of funny that we worry as followers of Jesus? Isn't it kind of comical how we get worried? Who, who do you serve? You serve Elohim. Elohim made you. Designed you. Perfectly, just the way he wanted to. It's incredible. When Mary wondered how will she be a, being a virgin would give birth to a son, the angel responded. If you remember this in Luke one thirty seven, he said, <laughs> Mary, that's how I would have said it. I would have laughed. I don't know if you laughed, but that's how I would have said it. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> and this is interesting. The word of the Lord never fails. That was the response of the angel. <laughs> you don't understand, Mary. He's, he spoke it, man. He just spoke it. He spoke, he could speak a baby into me. Yeah, he just has to speak it. He just says it and it occurs. His words, Mary, never fail. What he speaks happens. I want to encourage you today of the name Elohim. And I don't know what you're facing today. And I don't know what you're going to face in 2022. But I know you'll face things. And I know you'll sit right here in this room as we gather and sing and doubt will creep in. Even the doubt of his existence will creep in. The doubt of him listening to you. The doubt of how your marriage is going to make it. The doubt of Finances will come through and all the same stuff that you worry about and I worry about over and over and over again. And I hope to remind you 
of Elohim. This is who he is. It's who he always has been, and he always will be. I hope it changes how you sing his name too. When you sing a song that has the name of God in it, I hope for the rest of your life you think of Elohim. Whatever it is you're facing as you declare his praise, you remember Elohim. How powerful, how wonderful, how outside of our realm he really is. When you become afraid of how God will come through, remember Elohim. When you're struggling in your marriage and life, and just think about all the ways. Elohim. Incredible. When you're concerned about our nation, our world, listen to me. As believers, you have a hope that the world knows nothing of. Can I just remind you of something real practical here? Even if all the food was taken off the shelf, serve Elohim. That is the beauty of being a person who trusts in the Lord, who knows his name. See, the follower of Christ, the one who knows his name, this guy, I know his name. I'm not saying I don't struggle and doubt. What I'm telling you is I got to remember what we just read a minute ago. Go back to the very first verse we started with, please, just a second. Those who know his name, trust him. Do you know Elohim? Yet you're buying everything off the shelf, freaking out. Oh my gosh, we're losing all the food. Do you? I wasn't going to be able to eat. You have Elohim. Last time I checked, he dropped bread from the sky. God is so wonderful. At 18144 Frame Bend, that's where I live, I could call on his name and a cloud of bread could drop in my yard. You don't believe me? Do you not believe me? What, am I too much of faith? No, you're a little too crazy there. He's Elohim. So why the followers of Jesus, those who know his name, trust in him, not in the grocery stores of the government. They don't even trust in farmers. All I got to do is trust in Elohim. All I'm saying is he's the source of all provision. Who, who brings out the sun anyways? Do you know of any man that walks this planet who decides to bring out the sun? Or the moon? Or rain? Anyone? Okay, I was hoping the answer would be no. That's Elohim. And yet in the panic of our world... With stock markets and money and finances and retirement plans and all the things that we think about, I want to remind you of Elohim. And this is how God chose to introduce himself to you and to me in the very beginning. Before you even get to know more of the depths of me, 
before you get to know me as so many other names that we'll get to know him as, he wants you to first know I'm Elohim. Powerful. I have a couple pictures I want to show you in case you're not too blown away by how powerful Elohim is. So we live in this galaxy. Do you know the name of it? Milky Way Galaxy? Yeah, we've got a picture of it on the screen. We'll put it up. And this is just one of what scientists believe to be billions of galaxies in the universe. Right? And then I think there's a picture of here, here we are in, in the Milky Way Galaxy. You see you? You are so important, let me tell you. You're just so big. You really are the center of the universe. <laughs> if, you're, if your spouse ever says, you are the center of my universe, just, just like slap them like, no, I'm not the center of the universe. Okay, but we feel like we're the center of the universe, don't we? Doesn't it feel like it? Like, yeah, we're world champions. Okay. So... Only Tom Brady deserves that right. Okay, moving on. Okay, no, joke, joke. Okay. Okay, so you got the Earth, right, in this galaxy. Okay, so we kind of try to comprehend how big that is, right? I want to put a picture of Andromeda. It's another galaxy. Andromeda, that's a picture of the galaxy. Huge. Okay, now I'm going to show you another photo of the separation between our galaxy and Andromeda's galaxy is 2.5 million light years away. Now, I didn't want to get up here and try to quote to you a whole bunch of scientific stuff because I just want you to know I'm just not that smart. I don't know. You would know I just simply, but I don't know how far away that is, but that's a long freaking way. <laughs> is that okay? Can I say freaking? I'm just saying, I'm sure some of you have the number and the calculation of what a light year is. I, I just know that's a long, 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 long way. Right? Okay. And, and that's from the galaxy. And we're a little bitty piece in the galaxy. In one galaxy. Of billions of galaxies. And this is another galaxy. So try to wrap your head around how amazing this whole thing we call the universe is. Now think about how it came to be. Milky Way. I don't know if that's what he called it, but that's what we call it. I created the heavens, all space, and the earth. Let there be light and light. Man, this is Elohim. I want you to do something. It's going to play like a little, I guess a game if you would. I just want you to go back to the picture with the, uh, the earth inside the Milky Way. Okay, I want you to picture um, the earth. And, you know, we, we think that's pretty big. And I want to picture yourself on the earth. I mean, I'm 5'8 five, five, on good days. I'm 5'8. <laughs> and uh, so I'm not that, that tall. But neither are you, Mr. 6'8". When we compare ourselves to this, you're so tiny. You are so tiny. I mean, you're so little. Well, you're so tiny. You know, you know what I'm saying? 
And then what's really cool about this, I thought, now I want you to think about your brain inside that tiny, tiny little body of yours. Isn't it the size of your fist? Is that what it is? Or two fists? What is it? Two fists? Is that the size of your brain? Two fists together? Yeah, two fists. So put your two fists together. Go ahead, do it. Come on, participate. Don't be all big and cool. No, I can't do that. Okay? You're not that big. Okay? And look at your tiny little brain inside the tiny little body in comparison to this massive galaxy, one of the billions of galaxies. Go ahead, put your hands together. I want to see your hands together. Come on. All you people in suits and ties and you're smart and you make good money. Come on, look how smart you are. This is your brain, right? This is your brain on drugs. This is your brain. You've been doing that at commercial? Okay. But, do you, but this is your, look how tiny that is. Now I want you to do this. Put, put your hands together. Come on, come on. Put your hands together. Participate. I told you we're going to play a game. Okay. Now I want you to think about, this is important. This is going to minister to some of you. Put your hands together. Okay. I want you to think about that tiny little problem inside that tiny little brain, inside that tiny little body that feels massive. I only got 36 likes on my Facebook post, or my Instagram post. It's such a big deal. I woke up this morning, and she didn't like it. I didn't even get invited out to dinner. They went out to dinner, but they don't invite me. And it just think about it. Your electric bill. Think about it. What's going to happen in this world? This earth. Think about the size of the country in comparison to what's happening in this country. And you get frazzled inside that little bitty brain. If you think of Elohim, this is nothing compared to what my God can do. He's Elohim. I hope you never see the name of God ever the same again. I don't have time to unpack it fully today, but I probably will later on in this series. And as we wrap this up, I invite the band to come forward. One of the greatest commandments, no, 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 that's not true. One of the Ten Commandments, you know about the Lord's name. And what did he say? Do not take my name in vain. Again, I can't get into the depths of the teaching for time. But I want you to know, even if I teach on this later on in this series, which I most likely will bring this up next week. But we're going to discover, if I do bring it up next week, that taking his name in vain is not what you may have been taught when you were a child. And it's by saying, you know, what you weren't supposed to say as a kid, okay? Or, oh, God, and then all of a sudden you're taking his name in vain. And I'm not proposing to you that that's not some piece of it. I propose to you it's way bigger than that. To take his name to vain would be to misuse or represent his name. And this gets really challenging. Just wonder if you've ever broken the commandment to take his name in vain. You misused it or represented it. That means you spoke it but didn't consider it. 
He's Elohim. He's Elohim. Don't try to put me in a box and call me something I'm not. To take his name in vain would be to call him small. To take his name and name, I'll propose to you is to say he's not able. To take his name in vain would be to call him a liar. To take his name in vain would be to doubt him. I'm Elohim. I am plural. I'm creator. I'm personal. And I'm powerful. Do not take my name in vain. Know who I am. And when you use my name, use it appropriately. Don't misrepresent me. Taking his name in vain would be to say, he's not love. First John says he's love. So to take his name in vain would be to misrepresent his name or misuse his name, misidentify his name, and say, well, no, God's not love. God is love. And he's creator. To take his name in vain would be to say, I don't know who created this thing. He's Elohim. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha, the omega. Man, just think about how many ways we have taken his name in vain. He wants you to know from the beginning, know who I am, so that whenever you go through what you go through, you'll remember who I am. And the coolest part to this whole story, as we wrap this up today before we sing this song together, is he invites you to study him. Like, that's really cool. He doesn't just like, I just want to be this guy you go to church, you show up to, and then, you know, you just come to heaven. That's cool. Like, that's, that's it. No, he, like, he wants you to study him and get to know him. In fact, when he builds mountains and all the things that you see and you, 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 you travel, he, all that study me. When you look at oceans and you're on cruise ships, you look out and you see nothing but the vastness of things that God created. And you stand on mountaintops like, study me. It's all to display his glory and who he is. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. For those of you who have declared him as Lord in your life, can I remind you today that you're safe? You are safe when you call upon the name of the Lord. It's a quote. I want to read to you from great pastor, I think, Tony Evans. Just to know God's name is to experience his nature. And that level of intimacy is reserved for those who humbly depend on him. God will not share his glory with another. We must humble ourselves if we really want to know him. We are to hallow his name. You can't know his name until you've forgotten your own. 
If you haven't declared him master over your life, my hope for you today is you would do so. My hope for you today is that you would call him Elohim. And you would call him. And you'd say, Father, I want to know you today. You stand right where you are. I want to pray with you before we sing this song together. Jesus, we give you this moment. We want to come to know you. We are here to know you. If you are here today and you're just close your eyes for a minute, just tell them, I want to know you. I want to know you like Elohim. I want to know you for who you declare yourself to be. Maybe you need to make a commitment that you're going to study him. You know, you're watching online, you're here, and you're saying, I'm going to study more about him. I'm going to stop listening to what other people say, and I'm going to start to, to let him speak for himself about who he is. If that's you, go, go to our Brave Central afterwards and ask somebody for a Bible. We'll get you a Bible. If we don't have one here ready, we'll, we'll get you one. tell him you want to know him. If you've forgotten who he is over a situation in your life, just tell him. Thank you for reminding me you're Elohim. If you've been worried this week, tell him. I've been worried and I'm reminding right now, Father, you are Elohim. If you've taken his name in vain, confess of your sin. Say, Father, thank you for reminding me today you're Elohim. Thank you for introducing yourself once again to me. Whatever problem seems so small in that tiny little brain. Father, when I consider you, it puts it all in perspective. So Jesus, we call upon your name. And we're thankful that you've given us your name to know you by. Church, as we sing this song, my hope for you is, is that you would sing the song that we declare the name of Jesus and that you would consider, even as we speak, Jesus, even he, God in flesh, is Elohim. Would you begin to see Jesus as Elohim? He's Elohim. Amen. <laughs>